Thanks for listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos and the PCC Multiverse. Check out more great podcasts today on one of these awesome affiliate networks. You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. The Tangibound Network. Check it out. Tangiboundnetwork.com. Listen to this show, the latest episode, every time. A proud member of the Good and Geek Network. The opinions expressed are those of each individual. Check out all the other geeky podcasts over at gunnageeknetwork.com and get ready because geekiness begins in 3, 2, 1. On this week's episode, what's coming up for horror fans in the first half of 2019? Is the return of Titanfall a good thing? And the good and bad from the advertisements at the big game. All this and more as we once again delve into the pop culture cosmos. Welcome to the pop culture cosmos. And we're back with another episode of the pop culture cosmos. My name is Gerald Glassford from pop culture cosmos and game source. We truly appreciate everyone out there listening to all of our great shows as we cover the world of pop culture with the latest news and trends each and every week. But it wouldn't be a pop culture cosmos without my good friend. He is the commercial reviewer of Humanica Media. You got to check out everything going on today with HumanicaMedia.com, Humanica Media on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, and so much more. It is my good friend. It is Josh Peterson. Hey, man, can you believe it? We're at 1,000 subscribers on Podbean. Let me just point out the fact that I think it's hilarious that you're about to call this show the Pop Culture Costco. Yeah, I know. Well, I am an executive member. That you know, I'm, I'm thinking about putting that on my gravestone. Loving father, try to be good human to all of mankind. Executive card holder at Costco. Yes, there you go. There you go. But it is going to be a great episode. We're going to be talking about the best and the worst that went on during the big game with all the advertisements and trailers. We're going to be talking about as much as we can when it comes to that. Plus, also as well, we're going to be talking to my good friend, Jason Todd Feinberg from the show Hunting Queen. You got to check out his great podcast as it hits on a lot of topics within the pop culture realm. He is our horror movie expert, and he's going to break down some of the films that are coming out in the first half of 2019 when it comes to the horror movie genre. And we're also going to be talking about Titanfall going free to play, which could already be happening by the time you hear this show. But first, my friend, it was a big game, and it was a big dud of a football game. But there was still a lot of things to talk about when it comes to the ads and the trailers that are out there. Obviously, the one that was just the biggest thing that everybody was talking about is the Avengers Endgame trailer. So I want to hear your thoughts on the Avengers Endgame trailer that came out. Not really much into depth other than you see some of the after effects of what happened with Thanos of Snap. Well, that alone was interesting because that's what they didn't show us in the original trailer was what happened to the world in the aftermath of the Thanos Snap. Pretty dark, wasn't it? It was pretty dark. I don't did somebody slip a DC movie in there or something? Oh, oh, I see what you did there. Is this a Zack Snyder film? 
No, but like I, because I was curious about whether or not when these people disappeared, were the people's memories of them going to disappear too? But now I see that that's not a thing. Obviously, the Avengers are super powered people, so maybe it wouldn't their memories won't be affected. But it was interesting because really that's the question that's been on my mind since I saw the end of Avengers Infinity War was how is the world reacting to this so it looks like you know life didn't go on you see in the trailer life didn't move on everything's a ghost town everything's dark and and it dreary so it's that was cool i even those 30 seconds i really enjoyed seeing that and now i am that much more hyped about the movie but what did you think well when it comes to what you were talking about as far as how people reacted that's interesting that you were thinking that are people going to be forgetting about it? it will there be a mind swipe with everybody else that did exist outside of that, but you couldn't really have that if the Avengers know what's going on. And obviously they were sad about what's going on. So you really couldn't have where just the Avengers were knowledgeable about it. Now, from what I've able to ascertain from what rumors or what, what leaks have been about, I think the world is not aware of Thanos or the snap part of it. They just don't understand what happened at all. I think that's what I'm gathering. Is that what you've been hearing as well? That makes more sense because look at it like what about i mean they had the giant circle thing on on earth but there weren't really any fights with thanos that took place on earth so there wouldn't have been news coverage so it would be kind of an unknown event to everybody but then it, it went away and like you didn't actually see thanos though like after that was gone nothing took place on earth again after that and until the wakanda thing so maybe that's when it happened i don't know like because, again, the trailer didn't show any like news coverage of anything. So maybe people don't even know what happened in Wakanda. That's true, because Wakanda remains somewhat hidden, even though it exposed themselves to the world as far as wanting to help or whatnot. But it was still treated like what a somewhat of a secretive society, a secretive country, and obviously for privacy reasons and security reasons as well. But it did not, unfortunately, come out well for Wakanda and the rest of the planet Earth. And in fact, the galaxy as a whole, as everyone knows out there from what happened with Infinity War and Thanos' snap, and half the population of everything was wiped out. It's kind of dark. Obviously, the commercial it leads you to believe that, but it's still very interesting. I agree with you. We've always criticized DC as being too dark all of the time. But in this case, it was something that I think needed to be done because when you obliterate half the universe, there's going to be no better roses. You can't portray it in a, in a better light. You cannot get that type of humor and enthusiasm and excitement for it and bright colors and everything like that. You have to make it dark. You have to make it despondent. You have to make it something that, that's really just uh, you know almost desperate and almost hopeless as far as the theme that you're trying to get across. And I think the Russos, in doing so, really portrayed that showing the MetLife Stadium empty ships that were just crowded all over the place where they just abandoned where they moved there as far as ships that, that people found and just towed to shore and and whatnot how was that done and obviously getting the grief counseling that Captain America was seemed to be doing in the actual trailer itself it just it seems like a lot of people are still trying to cope with that issue including Captain America himself but Getting into more of the trailer, we also see a clip of Nebula and Iron Man. They're working on something, uh, maybe a way to get home, get off the planet, and into the position where Tony Stark was in the original Endgame trailer where he was stuck in space. Or do you think this is something that's a little bit beyond that? Your thoughts on what's going on with Tony Stark and Nebula in the Super Bowl trailer? 
I don't know. To me, that looked like that was not. I mean, do, that. do you think it takes place after or before the message that think, Tony leaves Pepper Potts in the original Endgame trailer? I think it's after. Like that looked like it took place somewhere on Earth because the planet, like if you look at the landscape in the trailer and the landscape on the planet, they looked like two completely different things. So I'm going to say that it takes place afterwards, but that's hard for me to say because I've heard a lot of rumors saying that Nebula is going to be kind of a, a rogue force in this next movie. So I maybe she wouldn't be teaming up with Iron Man. I don't know. Well, it's difficult to say because in the comic book, she definitely is a rogue figure there for all intents and purposes. She actually takes possession of the glove with all the Infinity Stones on it. She gets the power. Could we see something materialize of that? I'm not so sure. I think you're right. Nebula probably will play some sort of key role in the film. Will it be to the extent of what the comic book dictated? You know, we'll have to wait and see. What did you think was going on with Rock and Raccoon? Because he seemed to be entering a different place with mountainous area behind him. Do you think a lot, a lot of people are already saying that that could be various places on Earth, such as Wakanda or somewhere else? Your thoughts on what's going on with Rock and Raccoon? Because of the fact that his whole entire crew with the Guardians of the Galaxy is at the moment they're like the Kansas song, "Dust in the Wind." I didn't really look that far into it. If I were to make a guess, though, I would say it's some kind of place where there is technology. So maybe it's Wakanda, but it it also looked like, didn't it look like there was snow behind him a little bit? So my first thought when I saw that, it reminded me of the uh, place where uh, Zemo was went, went to kill everybody. So I don't know, man. Like It's obviously somewhere where there's tech where he can build something because that's what he does. So he needs something like that to fulfill whatever it is or make himself feel like he's a part of the team. Because obviously, he's still alive for some reason. The writers left him alive for some specific reason. So I'm curious what it is. is are they going to build a machine that will let ant-man go into the quantum realm is it a weapon what is it what are we dealing with unfortunately we only got that three second glimpse of him so we can't really dig too far into it at the moment and you also see him along with the other alive avengers they're leaving the avengers facility look i don't know if it was like a late afternoon or shadowy very shadowy shot or or maybe early morning that i'm not sure of your thoughts on what was going on there? Were they heading out to battle or were they just planning something? And there was a gap there. If you notice the way they were lined up, there was a, there was a distinct gap. Could I just, I don't know if it's something that uh, it was is planned is something there, but we've seen that type of thing before when it comes to the trailers for infinity war with alterations being done from the Wakandan scenes that were put into the infinity war trailer. So do you think something could have been there that's not there now, but will be there at some point in time in Avengers Endgame? Oh, of course. They always do that. They always show you stuff that's not in the film or vice versa. Like, for instance, Thor's eyes and whatnot. Thor's eye, yeah. There was an inconsistency there that the fans actually picked out, and that's probably what made them want to go through and change that. Or maybe it was Lego that showed Thor with an eye. He still had his eye or as a toy or something. But no, that scene that you saw in the end where everyone's standing next to each other, I honestly think that that is just them doing their thing. Because I'm I'm predicting that in the beginning of the movie, they're not going to know what to do. That's why I see Steve Rogers mourning and you know all the other characters kind of doing their thing. I don't think they're going to know what to do until Ant-Man shows up. And I think he's going to maybe have the answer they're looking for. And that scene is just them going, 
oh yes the it, it's time to go to war like you know they have those classic montage scenes where it shows everyone like putting their gloves on putting the mask on captain america's hitting his shield onto his arm i think that's what that moment is wouldn't it be cool if the reason that everything goes back to normal and thanos is defeated is because of that awesome van from ant-man Yes, I saw this thing pop up on Facebook yesterday that said before Endgame starts, they need to have a, a complete recap narrated by Michael Pena. Oh, that would <laughs> the be whole awesome. like Marvel series. <laughs> that would be really cool. I would pay to see that. But anyways, it is just a lot we're trying to break down in a 30-second spot. If you have not seen it yet, and my goodness, if you weren't watching the game real carefully at the beginning, you might have missed it. It is available on our popculturecosmos.com website. It's right there for you. You can go ahead and click right on it, and it's right there. Check it out today, popculturecosmos.com. Another trailer that we also added to our popculturecosmos.com site is the latest trailer for Captain Marvel. And I really think they did a nice job in trying to compact all the excitement that they could within the movie into that 30-second spot. I'm actually more excited than ever to go see the film. Your thoughts on the very quick, very brief, but very interesting trailer. And yes, it didn't really show us that much different from what we've seen already, but it packed up everything in a nice, neat little package for 30 seconds. And I really think it gets people excited for Captain Marvel. Yeah, this was the best trailer, and this was the shortest trailer, but it is the best because basically they show you who is Captain Marvel and what can she do. They showed her origins in the jet scene. They showed her training and they showed her with these powers. You know, she made the suit like materialize on her face. That's what people wanted to know. That's what people wanted to see originally. So I don't know why they haven't been doing that all along, but they finally showed us enough about the character to get people intrigued. And I'm looking at articles all over the Internet and I'm seeing the same thing. People are like, we are now stoked for Captain Marvel and good because it comes out in what a month. That's correct. March 8th, it's going to hit. I'm excited for it. I think it will really be something that I think people need to see. I am just cannot wait enough for it. It was really quick, but it showed and compacted a whole bunch of action into it and really exemplifies her power and what she can do as far as the type of things that she can control and the type of things that she can do and the damage she can inflict. She is really as powerful, I think, as what Kevin Feige has said she is going to be within the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And I look forward to seeing her character origin and the way it develops. Plus also having another chance to, to watch Nick Fury and Agent Coulson, especially in the early years as how they perceived it, watching that coming up in Captain Marvel. And we'll obviously, as it gets closer to the release date, we'll talk about it. And we'll also have a review for the movie as well, right here on the Pop Culture Cosmos and also our Friday show, The PCC Multiverse. You're listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos. Don't touch that dial. Wait, do, do people still use dials? Looking for an edge the next time you take on your favorite video game? Then check out Vitabrace High Performance Gamer Wristbands. Packed with the power of fruit seed oil, Vitabrace is clinically proven to help improve performance, giving you a better gaming experience. Head to MiracleFruitOil.com and use the promo code MEDIA10 to get $10 off your Vitabrace purchase. Whether you're looking to beat the time on your latest speedrun or are fighting your way to the top on your favorite multiplayer or battle royale, Vitabrace can help you reach your gaming goals. 
Buy Vitabrace today at MiracleFruitOil.com. That's MiracleFruitOil.com. Vitabrace. Win with it. We also had other great stuff that actually debuted as far. Well, I don't want to say debuted, but actually other great trailers that were shown. And Hobbs and Shaw, I've seen it twice now, a longer version of the trailer. And I believe it was a one-minute trailer. I don't think it was the 30 seconds. I think it was a one-minute trailer that was shown at the Super Bowl. This looks like a lot of fun and more interesting to me than any of the Fast and Furious movies I've seen. And I've seen all of them. Your thoughts on the Hobbs and Shaw trailer? Yes. Idris Elba is the villain in the film. I really think he should be a starring in his own blockbusters. I think he's right there on the cusp of being superstar in his own right, but still he's he's not quite there yet, but still playing another villainous role. I think the movie itself just really has a lot of fun doing that dichotomy between Hobbs and Shaw, aka Jason Statham and The Rock. Just that love-hate relationship right there for you. Your thoughts on the Hobbs and Shaw trailer? I think it's a lot of fun, and I'm telling you right now, I have much more interest in it than any of the Fast and Furious movies. Okay, so I just watched the actual trailer for this yesterday, and I have to say... That's the extended trailer, correct? Right, and I have to say, it does look like a lot of fun. It looks like a great popcorn flick, and I love the fact that... What makes this movie so appealing to me is that it is completely aware of itself. It knows that it's not a serious movie. It knows that it, it's taking, it's an offshoot of a franchise. It knows all of these things. And that is something that Fast and the Furious has never been able to do well. You know, they, they tried with their last couple of entries to go like, oh, hey, we're a big action movie and we know that it's over the top and that's why you guys still watch it. But there's been so much history in the Fast and the Furious franchise that makes it dramatic and, and kind of dark and sad, especially with the death of Paul Walker. And this is the first time there's a fresh slate characters we know and they have this on-screen chemistry and they're funny they're brutal and it looks like a fun really fun movie one quick question i want to add, and i hope these rumors are true but you and i've been hearing a long time as well as a lot of other people out there have heard about the the friction between vin diesel and the rock and Vin Diesel maybe trying to block or prevent this movie from ever taking place. At one point in time, maybe it was just he didn't get his blessing because he obviously is the person that is probably the most responsible for getting the Fast and Furious franchise to where it is today. Your thoughts on Hobbs and Shaw, when it comes out, it could actually upstage anything that's ever been done in the Fast and Furious. Yeah, I had heard about that. And here's my, my take on Vin Diesel. He is only good at playing Vin Diesel. You know, the Triple X, Riddick. The most depth I've seen him have is in, well, there's two movies. One is Knockaround Guys, and then the other was Iron Giant. And in Iron Giant, he doesn't even talk, really. He just kind of makes noises. He's kind of full of himself. That's what I want to say. Like, he's kind of full of himself. And from if you watch the special features on any of the Fast and the Furious movies, you see that he's always... Like, he's the the member of the cast that the rest of the cast was always afraid of making angry. You're not digging Groot? Well, Groot, yeah, he is Groot. But he doesn't have enough talent to really say you can't make a spinoff of this movie. You know, I really, really like the the Riddick movies. But he's, it's just, he plays Vin Diesel. That's it. Like, he's only good at playing himself. So he can't necessarily threaten to quit because what else is he going to do? I don't see him being cast in any other roles anytime soon. 
Well, it just comes to the point where there's method actors that really get into the role that are playing and they, they really dig into it and they become a different person or different entity altogether. And then there's the roles that the roles are catered to them. I, I think another example would be Jack Nicholson. Jack Nicholson plays Jack Nicholson virtually every movie in the past, what, 20, 30 years. It's, it's been Jack Nicholson plays a good version of Jack Nicholson. So it's along those same lines. But then you have other actors that can really dive into a role and, and be someone else. And Christian Bale and Vice, for instance, let's go that route. Or, or other actors and actresses that can really just dig into a role and be someone else. So you do have those different type of roles. And you're right, Vin Diesel, he plays Vin Diesel. And, and now in pretty much every single role that he's in. And it's just whether it's because he's reached that stature. But still, the friction that might have been caused for Hobbs and Shaw, it's becoming clear why that was the case. Because Hobbs and Shaw may have been a movie he didn't want to put on that same level as the Fast and Furious, but it might just end up being something like that because it is right now a really, really good trailer. Hobson Shaw is really interesting. And I know you and I have really got a lot of good things to say about it. And I'm looking forward to seeing more of Hobson Shaw in the future. Some other stuff that was going on as well was Hannah, your thoughts on the series premiere, a little trailer that came out I think it was their version of what Netflix and the Cloverfield Paradox, where that was dropped onto us uh, literally just right there saying it's ready to go. And and millions of viewers actually turned in right after the Super Bowl on that. This is kind of different because it is the first episode of a series, but it's only available for 24 hours. So by the time most of you hear this, it's already gone and not available for free viewing. So your thoughts on Amazon Prime's Hannah, it's based off the 2011 film. I was thinking it looks okay, but I'm just kind of disappointed that Amazon won't keep it available free for people that much longer. Well, Amazon's actually in a very unique position right now because they're not Netflix, but they don't have enough original content for you to not be able to browse their menu and not see everything they have to offer. Like if they were to take Hannah and put it in the new release section or like their whatever their version of now trending is, you could scroll through everything and you would not not be able to see that show on there. So that's the one thing I do like about Prime right now is like all their original shows can be on their featured wall at once. Yeah, so it sucks that they're removing it so quickly. But at the same time, if you have Amazon Prime, and I guarantee you a lot of the people who don't have Prime Video are still going to be going on Amazon.com, in which case they will ha probably have some kind of poster up there for a long time. Other movies that were shown at the Super Bowl in some brief form or right around that time frame Wonder Park, a new animated movie coming out in March. That one does not look good to me. I just was kind of disappointed by it. Us, the next movie in the line of movies from director Jordan Peele, that still looks very creepy, very interesting, and I want to see more of that film. It comes out March 22nd, and I'm going to talk about it a little bit more with my good friend Jason Todd Feinberg later in this episode. Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark. There was little spots here and there that were mixed in. Your thoughts on Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark, Us, Wonder Park. There was also Toy Story 4, but we're going to talk about that after your thoughts on Us, Wonder Park, and Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark. Scary Stories looks good. I like Guillermo del Toro. I think he's the right man to, to helm that. And, you know, like you said, there wasn't a lot, but I'm sure we'll be seeing more as it gets close to its release because... 
what has Guillermo been up to, you know, since he didn't, he's not part of the new Hellboy film. We don't really know anything about what projects he's currently working on. So who knows, man, it looks, looks like it could be good. What are your thoughts on it though? I don't think they needed to spend the money because you know, 30 second spots are $5 million that were being bought for during the Super Bowl. Yeah, it was 15 second spots got were cut up, but still they're, they're spending a lot of money on advertising for it. I think a lot more buzz would have been created for these spots in the case of Wonder Park and also Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark. I think it would have been better if they would just go ahead and maybe type of create a little bit more internet environment or maybe on some other platform or other television programs that, yes, does not have the, the huge audience that the Super Bowl has. But those type of ads seem to get overlooked real quickly compared to all the other big game ads that are out there. I think Us is the movie that a lot of people are looking forward to just because of the fact that not only does it look good, but also Jordan Peele's last movie was just really good. Obviously, one of the best movies of 2017, and Us could follow. And, and there's, So there's a lot of hype and expectation when it comes to Us when that comes out March 22nd. And I'm going to talk more about that movie a little later on, again, with Jason Todd Feinberg. Last but not least... Toy Story 4, because Alita Battle Angel also had a Super Bowl trailer, but we're going to talk more about that movie as it nears its February 14th release date. So we'll save our conversation for that one. Your thoughts on the very quick at the end of the game ad for Toy Story 4. I mean, <laughs> I don't know. What, what can I say about it? Like it, it looks good. And I think there is some hype out there for Toy Story right now, especially since they've been putting out all that stuff that shows tim allen and tom hanks wrapping up the the movie and then you with the release of kingdom hearts 3 like it's all kind of good marketing time right now for toy story so toy story 3 was was pretty sad but i don't know it'll be sad to see like the end of that because i don't think they're going to make any more after that and it's it's just sad to see all that come to an end but you know like we always discuss will it reach future generations of people because it's been you know that was a franchise that started back when i was a kid so that's always the question there but you probably have some thoughts i'm sure as someone who has two daughters and i'm sure you've shown them toy story at some point so what are your thoughts what are their thoughts they've enjoyed the toy story series but i thought it ended just fine with toy story 3 i thought it was a tearjerker to me i didn't really need a toy story 4 to come out but that's going to make a ton of money for pixar and disney and all that i wasn't too impressed with the actual spot itself, which showed them at a carnival, all the toys that were there, and Tim Allen's character, Buzz Lightyear, actually getting caught in a carnival game, being one of the prizes and having a discussion or heated argument with a couple of the other toys that are there, the other top prizes. Uh, I wasn't really impressed by it, but then again, it's just more Toy Story, and I, I, I had already come to grips with the series finito that i thought was toy story 3 and i think that was uh, for a lot for a lot of people i think that was the case as well we'll see how well toy story 4 does when it comes out i think there's more room in the world of toy story but it also ended quite well on toy story 3 so even though they didn't need another it's more toy story and that can't be such a bad thing after all what are your thoughts out there on the trailers that were available for the super bowl during that time frame this past weekend Share us your thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. Also as well, popculturecosmos, Humanic Media, and Game Source on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as well. Well, before we head to the break, one last thing I want to ask you, Josh, real quick. 
EA, the rumors that are out there is that they're going to drop a Titanfall free-to-play game starting as early as Monday and available this week to players out there. It's not going to feature the Titans per se, but it's going to be in that Titanfall universe. Your thoughts on a free-to-play game on Titanfall, a game that's been very critically lauded, but not exactly the greatest seller. And unfortunately, it's not been the, the type of big win that I think EA has always thought it could be. I'll tell you what it is. It's a good experiment because if you like Titanfall, if that goes free to play and it has a battle royale mode attached to it, it like the, the rumors are suggesting, that could be an interesting experiment because if that does well, who's to say that Call of Duty and Battlefield won't try a similar formula? You, you see what I'm saying? Like it, it's it's a chance for these big titles, these big publishers to get in on the ground floor of what Fortnite is doing without ha people having to buy a $60 game. What do you think though? I think it's something okay to try. I don't I don't see the harm in it. Obviously it's free to play, so I know you and I will probably give it at least a dabble and see if that's something we might be interested in. Is it something that's going to go ahead and knock off Fortnite? I don't think it will, but you know what? It may provide a new life for Titanfall a series which we were not sure was going to continue because, like I said, even though both games have garnered critical acclaim, they've not performed as well as I know EA and the folks that made Titanfall thought it would. The pedigree of developers, a lot of them coming from the Call of Duty camp and thought that would be actually something that a lot of people would be interested in. I played them both. I thought they were pretty good experiences, but obviously has not met the level of expectations I think EA was looking forward to. It just needs more time to gestate, I think, for people out there to really get into it and see if it's something that's going to be in their diet ahead of games like Fortnite and PUBG. Yeah, I agree. But I mean, look at Fortnite and PUBG. Unless they have really significant changes to gameplay, I think that it's only a matter of time before people start looking for something else. And if there's something else like Titanfall, because that's a whole different style of gameplay, and they're offering it for free then that could potentially build up a lot of followers. I think if it does materialize here this week, I think Josh and I will give it a try, see if we like it, and share our thoughts on the air if a Titanfall free-to-play game is something worth investing your time into. Coming up next, we've got my good friend Jason Todd Feinberg from Hunnic Ween. He's going to go ahead and break down the horror movies coming in the first half of 2019. And then after that, our picks for the best and worst big game commercials this past weekend. This is the Pop Culture Cosmos. Rob McCallum Films is back with a vengeance. Power of Grayskull, the definitive history of He-Man and the Masters of the Universe, which chronicles the ultimate 80s billion dollar franchise, Masters of the Universe. See exclusive interviews and hear untold stories from the people responsible for creating the world of Eternia, a place full of magic and science, and learn about the craft of creating action figures and animation. Power of Grayskull is just one of our many projects at Rob McCallum Films. All right, we're back with the program. It's Gerald coming right back at you here. One thing we don't talk enough about here on the program is horror movies. So I thought I'd cover the first few horror movies of the new year, along with my good friend, who is our resident horror expert. You got to check out everything that's going on with his awesome podcast, Honey Queen, at Pondbean, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and so much more. It is my good friend, Mr. Jason Todd Feinberg. Always great to have you on the show, my friend. 
thank God that both Florida and Vegas have not succumbed to the cold weather. Exactly. But my hearts go out to all those affected by the Arctic freeze in the Midwest. But getting back to what we were talking about, it all starts when it comes to horror movies and a horror movie genre really kicks off. Yes, you could say Escape Room was the first horror movie of the year, but that really didn't connect well with audiences. But The Prodigy is the first horror movie in a little while, in about a month. Your thoughts on the horror movie scene for early 2019, starting with The Prodigy. Here's the thing, though, is that this started in the early 2000s with these late January, early February, or August to September horror films about evil kids. Now, we could go back to the 70s with The Omen, or even further with The Bad Seed. But we fast forward now with these movie posters where they're black and white and there's something wrong with the kid and you speed up the film and you slow it down and you have all the jump scares. I'm not a fan of these type of horror films where they're taking place in the middle of nowhere. They can be anywhere USA or they're somewhere in a dilapidated castle in England. They don't jive with me that much. Now, there's been like maybe one or two you know, there there is the orphan, there is mama, and that's an interesting one as well. But the, the thing is with these evil kids, I don't know if somebody just woke up one morning and said, hey, you know, remember the omen when we tried to remake it in June 6, 2006, 666, get it? And they've been trying to do that ever since. It doesn't work. And unfortunately, it is going up against Lego Movie 2. And so going up against another Liam Neeson vigilante film called Pursuit and What Men Want, which is pretty much a female version of What Women Want with Helen Hunt and Mel Gibson. So you got two of those movies that are contenders, especially if you're going against Lego Movie 2 and you're going against another evil kid movie. The problem is that everything is cryptic and it should be interesting and scary, but it's just, again, I go back to what I say around and around and around. It feels like an omen meets Annabelle clone, and it just is not going to drive for me. The other horror release I think of note is Happy Death Day to you. And the only reason I say for that is there was a public campaign to get the movie moved off of the Valentine's Day release date. And it was successful in a way, but really it was only a matter of a day that it changed. So it's still coming out February 13th. Happy Death Day to you. Do you think that's something that's really going to jive with Valentine's Day audiences, people going out on dates, they want to take their significant other to a nice movie, and do you think Happy Death Day to you will actually fit the bill? Okay, let me just say right here and right now, when I saw the trailer for this, and it was shoved in my face a lot about a year and a half ago, a lot of people just said it was a horror version of Groundhog Day, where Bill Murray would die a lot in the middle of that movie and just keep coming back until he got the day right. But the only twist with Happy Death Day is the character just had a power that could die, but eventually, I think the, she was dying slowly. The sequel, there are a lot of movies that have been pushed back over the years because of September 11th, or because, again, um, I think Bruce Willis's... Death uh, Wish. Death, right, that was moved as well because of school shootings and violence. These are teenage slasher movies where... We have Urban Legend and Scream. And I understand that, again, these characters are mentally ill. And in REO life, we have characters that are mentally ill. 
But again, I, I don't think one is trying to take from the other and trying to pour more gasoline on the fire. I think this is just trying to tell... I mean, there are so many of these slasher movies that are telling stories, and then we see the real-life dangers and the real-life killers. But again, I, I think there's enough people with common sense that can tell fact from fiction are not trying to blame this one movie compared to what happened in not one, but several school shootings over the years. I, I wouldn't just pick one. I mean, I think that in all honesty and in fairness, we should go back to Columbine and, and really pick about how these school shootings are progressing. So I don't really know if it's going to help this movie or hurt this movie. I think what it's really going to come down to is you care about the characters, which in all honesty, when I saw Happy Death Day, just out of curiosity, I really didn't care about any of the characters. I don't want them wiped off the face of the earth, but they weren't that interesting. They're just taking something from that 20-second montage from Groundhog Day and going with that. I also don't think it's going to score really high with audiences because I just don't think the timing is going to jive right. I don't think Valentine's Day is just the greatest time in the world to put out a horror movie especially the fact that a lot of people are searching for romance and other type of films during that course of time. Plus, Do there are a lot of single people out there, though. I mean, don't forget, there are a yeah, lot. Yeah, that's true. I, I hate to say it, though. I'm one of them, and it's difficult. I don't really want to – if I'm not taking a date, it, it's not a perfect date movie, but I guess you'd be surprised how many people go to these movies and, and go on date night to see Happy Death Day. There are a lot of horror fans, there are a lot of slasher fans. You'd be surprised how many couples go to these type of movies, but it's also single people that'll go as well. So I don't think one has anything to do with the other Valentine's Day as well. I, I think. This what do you think Le Lego Movie 2 might actually have more to do with it? Because it, it will only be in its second week. Lego Movie 2, I think because it's from the people that gave us Spider-Verse, enough said. And, of course, Spider-Verse has killed it at the box office and has won several awards for Best Picture at Golden Globes, British Film, Screen Actors Guild. I think when you get the people who made Lego Movie 1, Lego Movie 2, and Spider-Verse, no, this is going to blow it out the water anyway. It'll probably be in the top five and, and over time make its money back through video. But going back to the story itself, besides everything else that's happening, I just don't find it to be an interesting story. In March, Climax from A24, they do and deal with a lot of horror movies and smaller budget movies, but there's no type of release frame as far as how many theaters it's going to be distributed to. So that shows me already that if they're not confident in making it a wide release, it may just be something that's going to be out of the theaters real quickly. Well, there's another one that I'm kind of curious about, Us, that, of course, we have from our good friend who gave us Get Out. Jordan Peele, awesome, yes. awesome director. And yes, this is something that has actually interested a great many people with a tremendous trailer that dropped not too long ago. Yeah, I saw the trailer actually when I saw Vice. And I have to admit, Get Out was a nice little horror film that came out of nowhere. Because I know that he wanted to bring back his version of Twilight Zone. And this kind of reminds me of a Twilight Zone episode in the first season where a woman does meet her doppelganger from an alternate universe and one can't live while the other one is alive, which pretty much means is that either the evil has to kill the good or the good has to kill the evil, but both can't live in the same universe. And 
that's pretty much what us is going to be is that this family meets evil versions of themselves and they have to kill them otherwise you know one can't live while the other one is alive because that seems to be the rules that they can't live in the same universe together and that movie's coming out March 22nd to theaters. That movie is obviously something that, like you said, with the pedigree of Jordan Peele and the fact that he's coming off one of the best movies of 2017 with Get Out, got so much acclaim, awards everywhere, nominations everywhere else. Just a great showing for that movie. And us being the next in the line from him, I definitely expect big things from that movie as well. So I guess the next major horror movie that's going to be on the queue comes up in April in Pet Cemetery, the remake from the Stephen King novel, and also a reimagining of what we once saw with Pet Cemetery, the original. So I want to hear your thoughts on this new version of Pet Cemetery because it is a reimagining of that horror classic from Stephen King that a lot of people found so dearly. People are like touch and go hit or miss as far as the original version that came to the movies of Pet Cemetery Depends on who you talk to. When I saw it, I thought it was okay. Oh, I wasn't overwhelmed by it. But your thoughts on the new version of Pet Cemetery because it's going to hit in April in theaters. Well, here's the thing. This was like the last great 80s horror film. If anybody does say so themselves and by anybody, film critics and fans. But for me, I read the book because I was a huge Stephen King fan. And in the 80s, there was this huge Stephen King book club that was advertised a lot on TV. And when Pet Cemetery, the movie came out, they would show clips of Church and Gage. And the movie has not aged as well as I had hoped. And I have the documentary as well. The sequel came out. The less we talk about Pet Cemetery 2, the better. But as for this trailer that I've seen... Here's the problem. Fred Gwynn was Judd. And as for the little kid who played Gage, he was awesome. He also would go on to be in Wes Craven's new Nightmare as Heather Lennonkamp's son. But it, it went down to Fred Gwynn's performance as Judd. That, that's the one thing that I'll always remember. The book was really more about a philosophical and psychological discussion on death and resurrection. I don't think anybody asked for a reimagining. There was no reason for it. It did well at the box office, you know, enough for it to get a sequel and to have Mary Lambert direct the original and the sequel. But I don't know what this reimagining is really going to tell and why we need to have it again with creepy kids. They're in this marching band wearing animal masks, kind of like with the WWE with the Wyatt family. We don't need all of that. What made it scary was the fact that this family seemed to be in the middle of nowhere. They didn't build a fence. The kid went out in the middle of the road, got hit by a truck, and the father wanted to do anything to bring the kid back. He buried him in this pet cemetery. The kid comes back as a zombie, and that's it. The ground is sour, and it kills people. Although in the book, when you bury people and they came back, they would just gossip about you. That was it. They, they weren't killers. But... As much as I would love to see Dick from Third Rock from the Sun, we all know Mr. John Lithgow as Judd, I don't really think he has that cadence or performance to give a New England accent. I just feel this is going to be a big budget film that nobody wanted or asked for. 
And not only sometimes that is better, sometimes I think the book is better, or sometimes I think, dare I say it, even though I hadn't seen it in years, the original is better. I don't understand for the life of me, other than this is a tax write-off, why they want to touch Pet Cemetery. It's coming out the weekend of April the 5th, from what I'm seeing, and it's also coming out against Shazam!, that's also not boding well for the movie, and I think that it's going to suffer widely because even though it's a wide release for Paramount, going up against Shazam with a lot of good buzz going into the film for Shazam, I think Shazam could be a breakout hit or has at least the possibility of doing so because there's a lot of good word on it until the reviews come out, of course. I think Shazam could hold up very strong, and that would mean bad news for Pet Cemetery the remake. Well, this is what I'm not understanding either, because I don't know why Hollywood execs, first of all, for the month of April, not only are we getting Shazam, we're also going to be getting the second part of Infinity War. And so, also Hellboy. But I, I don't quite understand having Pet Cemetery go against Shazam, especially as Aquaman did well and then some, and we all made fun of it. I don't really see how this movie is even going to stand on any legs. I think it's just going to stay buried and nothing's going to resurrect it or bring it back. And once again, I'm on with Jason Todd Feinberg of Honey Queen. You got to check out his awesome pop culture podcast. Every single time you check it out on Podbean, it's Honey Queen and also Apple Podcasts and so many other different podcast outlets. The next major wide release for horror movie on that list comes out just a week before Avengers Endgame, and it's The Curse of La Llorona. Do you know anything about that one? Because it is from Warner Brothers and New Line. It is a wide release, and it's coming out at a time when I think Pet Cemetery should have come out, if it's coming out in April, and all by itself the week before Avengers Endgame. Yeah, this seems to be one of those movies that may be a pleasant surprise. It should come to no surprise that you have the person who gave us The Children, which was a very interesting international horror film about killer children that were possessed by demons. It's another ghost story that takes place in Latin America. You get a lot of these Latin American folklores. And whether or not this is going to be about the Chupacabra or whether or not this is going to be about demons or whatever the supernatural entity is going to be, I have a lot of faith in Michael Chavez. Huge fan of his. Got to get to him another time. But I think when it comes to these type of movies where it's not just humans that are going – it's not enemy of all horror. Let's put it that way. So I think this will be an interesting story, but I, I have a lot of faith in this film. It sounds like it's got a good pedigree behind it. And even though we haven't seen much of it yet or heard about much of it yet, I think in the coming months beforehand, we are going to hear a lot more about the curse of La Llorona. Now, I just want to say one other thing, too, about La Llorona is that if it is who I think it is as well, there are these weeping women out there that like to take children. She will be one of the villains, but I don't think she's going to be the main villain. Now, I know this is the Curse of La Rona, but I don't really think she's going to be the major – because reading about her, and I have studied her a few times, sometimes she's tragic and sometimes she's a demon, depending on how you read the folklore into her. 
it's definitely going to be kind of like a poltergeist meets Harry Potter. Well, there you go. Very interesting indeed. I want to ask you about Brightburn. I mentioned it briefly beforehand, but I want to go into a little bit more detail. Your thoughts on this different twist to the horror genre. Well, yeah, it still deals with a young child like we're seeing with the prodigy and it does deal with the Midwest, but it does have a similar type feel as far as if Superman went bad when it comes to Brightburn. Well, this is like if, you know, the Kents adopted General Zot. That's what a lot of people are saying. James Gunn is producing this one. The only thing I can tell you is, is that I don't think this movie is going to end well unless there's going to be a sequel, unless they actually kill this thing. It's a shame that it's not going to be taking place in the DC universe. It would be awesome. The only thing about this is that a couple of years ago, there was this $10 DC horror comic book in which Superman did come to Earth, but he was evil and only spoke in Kryptonian, killed Pa Kent right away, and killed Ma Kent as well. And they were actually in their 40s when this was going on, and it takes place in the present. So she kind of looked like Aunt May from the MCU. But I don't know how well this is going to work. Unless this actually was Zod, I think this is going to be a one-off film. I, I don't really think this is going to be – unless they bring in a fictional superhero to fight Brightburn, I, I, I don't know how this is going to work. I think this is just a fanfic of, well, what if Zod came to Earth instead of Kal-El? You know, that's the only way that I see this working. But I, I think this is going to be like 20 minutes of fan fiction, 30 minutes of horror, and then the 20 minutes of wrapping everything up and going, there you go. So I'm not really too stoked about this one, other than I'm glad that James Gunn is still working. Well, it is coming out in the latter part of May, near the Memorial Day weekend. Not on that weekend, but just beforehand. So that means it might actually get a nice little boost from that Memorial Day weekend. But as I've spoken about several times before in the past, the Memorial Day weekend has never been a give when it comes to movies. In fact, the last two Disney movies to appear on the Memorial Day weekend have both not performed anywhere near the level of expectations that there were for it. So we could see something like Brightburn actually poke out of the pack during that latter part of the May month cycle and hit with audiences if it's anywhere decent and the concept does get over with fans. But you're right. It could very well end up being a one-off if it's not done correctly, even though James Gunn does have a little bit of a say as far as producer is concerned. Brightburn could be like that major hit or miss for the horror genre. We're going to have to wait and see. I know there's another half of 2019 that we're going to talk about coming up later in the year when it comes to all the movies, including It Chapter 2 and so much more when it comes to horror genre. But he knows the stuff when it comes to all things pop culture. And also, if you get a chance, you got to check out his awesome podcast, Hunnikween. Jason, tell everyone out there why Hunnikween is an awesome show to listen to. I've enjoyed it, and I know others will as well. Because I worked really hard on it. I don't know. Because I blackmailed you. I, I, I have no idea anymore. <laughs> well, I, I, all I can say is, is that I have a lot of great friends who have come and gone on the series. I'm on a very small hiatus for a few months because I'm just finishing up my bachelor's of nursing and my other hosts, Kendra and Edward Hale, they needed some much needed time off. They purchased a brand new house and they started new careers. So we're just taking a very small breather, but we're going to be popping up 
every now and then for March and April because we do want to give our thoughts on Infinity War. And I'm actually going to be at Comic-Con Revolution. And I'm going to be interviewing Don Rasa, who wrote the Uncle Scrooge comics, especially The Life and Times of Scrooge McDuck. And I'll be interviewing uh, Jimmy Palante and Amanda Connor, who worked on the first several issues of Harley Quinn, as well as our good friend who was the co-creator of Deadpool. Are you talking about Rob Leinfeld? Yes, that's him. As well as, hopefully, I'm trying to get Jake the Snake Roberts. He's going to be there as well. So I show it. Hopefully, I get to interview them for a few minutes more. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. Be interesting to hear about Jake the Snake Roberts' life. I know he frequents Las Vegas a bit, but it's, it'd be great to hear his life now, now that he's gotten rid of many of the demons in his life and, and how he perceives his life now going into a different stage. So that ought to be interesting to hear. Once again, it is Jason Todd Feinberg from Hunting Queen. You got to check out his awesome podcast and all of his back episodes on Podbean and so many other podcast outlets. But Jason, I am getting you on with your thoughts on the DC and Marvel Universe as it happens. And I want to hear your thoughts on that. So you'll be coming back on the show, hopefully, to give us more updates and analysis and insight on everything going on in pop culture as well. The last thing I'm going to say about this whole DC versus Marvel, I'll give you a little taste. I think now there's going to be a fight. Thankfully, due to Aquaman killing it at the box office, Wonder Woman, well, thank God she did okay. And this Birds of Prey premise, I think DC will have some legs. With Marvel, the biggest one right now is going to be Captain Marvel has a lot of controversy. We have the sequel to Infinity War as well as Spider-Man. And I really enjoyed that trailer. So after we get Infinity War, and I guess we're going to get a whole new slew of MCU phases and new characters, because I think old are leaving and new are coming in. Yeah, this is going to be a huge, huge, huge discussion. Well, I'm looking forward to it myself. And it's always great to have you on the show, my friend, talking horror, pop culture, or anything else you want to talk about, as always. Just great to have you a part of the pop culture cosmos if you're tired of sifting through flea markets for rare and unique games we can help retro city games in henderson nevada only five minutes from the las vegas strip has all your favorite gaming staples classics and a wide selection of rare games with new stuff always appearing on our shelves come in and chat with nicole or doug about your love of games and watch as they help you complete your collection or find your childhood favorite and don't forget retro city games loves trade-ins so if you have any Nintendo, Super Nintendo, Sega, Xbox, PlayStation, or even PC games, come in and visit Retro City Games today. Welcome to the new metropolis of gaming, Retro City Games. And we're back to close out the show. This is the Pop Culture Cosmos. It's Gerald coming right back at you here. Thank you once again to everyone who has subscribed to our Podbean channel as we hit 1,000 subscribers. We cannot thank you enough for doing so. And then also... Jason Todd Feinberg from Honey Queen. You've got to check out his show as well. And before we close the show, we've got to talk about the commercials that we liked and we didn't like at the big game. So my friend, I'm going to leave it up to you first off. Three commercials that you liked from the big game this past weekend. Okay, my first one here, I got the Bud Light commercials. I liked the first one the best just because it was the longest and it was it was funny. But I, honestly, I think all three of them were really good. My question now is, is the Bud Knight permanently dead after getting crushed by the mountain in that Game of Thrones crossover? My second favorite commercial was the Alexa commercial. 
the Alexa commercial I thought was pretty good. And you know what? Harrison Ford, who's usually reluctant to do anything outside of a movie, him being in the commercial was actually pretty good. There were some moments in the commercial where they're trying too hard, but it was pretty funny. Third one here, it was the Eminem commercial. When I heard the voices, I knew who they belonged to. I knew it was going to be an Eminem commercial, but I was not expecting to see them all stuck in a chocolate bar. So I don't know why my inner child just found that really funny. Okay, my top three, I think I'm first off going to go with Expensify. This was their first foray into Super Bowl commercials. If you didn't get a chance to catch it, I thought it was pretty slick. Number two, I think Hyundai, their commercial, The Elevator with Jason Bateman, I thought that was really good where he's taking you to different levels of pain, which included shopping for a car, but the couple he was dropping off had the app and that would make it a lot easier. So he took them in a different direction and then had a good joke at the end for someone who was getting, let's say, a, a certain treatment that was painful. And then the last was the Bud Light Game of Thrones. I think that was very close for me between that and the elevator. Both commercials were really good. The Game of Thrones part of it really threw us off. We had no idea that was coming. And that just was something that was very surprising to both of us. Dilly dilly, man. Dilly dilly. Dilly dilly. But there were also some commercials that really disappointed. Your choices on the worst of the worst when it came to big game commercials this past weekend. Real quick, I do want to give a honorable mention to the Doritos commercial. Same here, same here. Good commercial. Good it was commercial. Chance the Rapper, but seeing Backstreet Boys come back together for that little thing, that was pretty cool. My bottom three commercials, the Spike Seltzer commercial is pretty bad. I just didn't understand it. It was Why Mermaids, you know. That was just a... Uh, Really weird out of place commercial. Other one was the Michelob Ultra one. Again, the robot thing. Everyone was using robots. And the other one I had was Stella Artois. It was a good commercial. It was well put together, but I didn't like how much like the uh, Crocodile Dundee commercials, they made you think that there was going to be another big Lebowski movie. And it's not, it's just a commercial. So if it weren't for that, it would have been an okay commercial. But because they tease something that's not going to happen, it's going on my crap list. Stella Artois is on my list of not so good commercials as well. The other two that I really didn't like, I'm sorry to say this because they host one of our websites, but Wix, unfortunately, that was just a very uninteresting and bland and just really just not the message you really want to get across to people out there as far as trying to create a website. And I just think that's a commercial that you see every day and you just ignore it every day. And they just decided to go ahead and spend $5 million and just put it on there. So unfortunately, Wix, sorry. You know what? Put us on. We'll make the commercial a lot better when we use Wix. So there you go. And the worst commercial to me was TurboTax, the RoboChild. Oh, my gosh. That was a bad, bad, bad commercial. And it's not just because it was poorly written. It was kind of terrifying. And it didn't make sense. Why would you make a robot? And then why would the robot want to be a TurboTax person? It was a lot of random things brought together. And somebody in a boardroom somewhere thought that that was a good idea but they were probably on medicinal marijuana or something. I don't know why that happened. What's your list out there, everyone, when it comes to the best and the worst commercials during the big game? Let us know. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. Also as well, PopCultureCosmos, Humanica Media, 
and Game Source on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as well. And speaking of those social media outlets, send us please a list of your top 10 films by Valentine's Day. We'd like to do another big top 200 list out there for popculturecosmos.com site. Send it to us at popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. Also as well, Pop Culture Cosmos, Humanica Media, and Game Source on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as well. So my friend, it's been a great episode. Any last thoughts on the way out? No, I think we covered them all. Yeah, we'll have more pop culture stuff for you next time. That's right. On our Friday show, the PCC Multiverse, the Lego Movie 2 comes out. So we'll share our thoughts on that as it hits theaters this weekend, plus a lot more to come in the world of pop culture. So for Josh Peterson, this is Gerald Glassford. It's another beautiful day in paradise right here in the pop culture cosmos. We thank you for listening. And here's hoping you have yourself a great day. You ever been curious about the real or fictional worlds? In the beginning, there were laser kings <laughs> and giant robots. Those who create. I'm going to feed you to this tentacle monster <laughs> now. <laughs> no. Or what inspires. And uh, I remember being in my room with my brother, and we immediately, like within five seconds, he decided he was a DC fan, and I decided I was a Marvel fan. And we were <laughs> going through and sorting out all of the comics. And you might enjoy Huey Tigers, the only podcast show where we take life by the tail. Now available on Google Play, Stitcher, and iTunes, and of course your favorite podcasting network. This is Hubie Tigers. You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping through Amazon.com or the Tee Public Store which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Tangent Bound Network. Let your voice be heard. Tangentboundnetwork.com Thanks so much for downloading the Pop Culture Cosmos and stay tuned as more great podcasts are on the way. Thanks again for listening to us here at the Pop Culture Cosmos.